Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, a fantastic result for the women against Leon in the Champions League, your questions answered, and a mega quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, appearing on your feed twice a week for the final time. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Right then, gang, we've got a big one today. Uh, it's me, Matt. I'm joined by Liam Toomey, Simon Johnson, Dom Fifield, and Sam Parkin. Hello, everybody. Hello, all. And Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to avoid the Ted Lasso content today, but it might creep in somewhere, uh, I'm afraid. Jesse, by the way, on their way back from Leon, having been in attendance for the first leg of the Women's Champions League quarterfinal. We'll hear from them later on. Uh, so why have we got a bigger panel than usual? It is because, as I said, this is our final Thursday show. From next week, we'll only be appearing once a week. Uh, it's in order to offer you a more streamlined listening... Exp- oh, no, who am I kidding? Uh, clearly the budget for the pod has been cut, which also means this is the last you'll hear from Sam and Jesse on the show. Sorry about that. It's not our choice, but we'll keep bringing you the best show that we can while we can. Uh, given it's our last Thursday show, we wanted to get you involved, listener. Thanks to everyone who sent us questions and who sent us nice messages about the pod as well. And also to Aces4, who says, Sorry to hear about Sammy and Jesse, but once a week makes more sense than padding it out with awful quizzes and nonsense voice notes. Open brackets. Just because a voice note is live, it doesn't make it decent journalism. Close brackets. It's for the best! Exclamation mark. Open brackets. I hope close brackets uh, Liam Simon if you have a problem with doing those voice notes I'd far rather you raise it with me privately than create burner accounts and do things uh, <laughs> like this no that was my wife that sent that in uh, <laughs> who even said we were in the business of decent journalism yeah well you get what you pay for uh, we'll be answering your questions uh, that you'd be good enough to send us later on but first let's catch up with how Emma Hayes and Co got on in France on Wednesday night here's Le Pulse. Spotted Gura Wrighton, but it wasn't quite the right pass, and Carpenter was able to get hold of it. A little bit of a wrestling match, though, between her and Cuthbert, and it's Cuthbert who comes away with it for Chelsea. Plays it across to Gura Wrighton! Great finish! And Chelsea take the lead at Lyon! Satisfied, I think it's fair to say. It's a, it's, it's a job half done. Really good first half performance, took the lead. I thought after the first 15 minutes and once we scored, we settled into the game. Um, second half, scrappy in many ways, but limited Leon to you know few opportunities, sometimes of our own doing. I think that's we've got things to tidy up, but we've had one day's prep and I think the players ex- executed the defensive game plan. I think on the ball we have to be a little bit better, but that's something we'll work on going into the game at Stamford Bridge. Well, it was a tremendous night for Chelsea in France. They won 1-0 away to Lyon in the first leg of the Champions League quarter-final. And our own Jesse Parker-Humphreys 
was there. Um, Jesse, you're back in the UK at the airport now. Um, have you have you touched down mentally from the the brilliance of last night's performance? Um, well, I did watch the game back this morning whilst I was waiting for my plane. If that kind of uh, uh, sums up how I feel right now, yeah, it was a a great trip. I think obviously in all of these kind of ties, you just want to go to the away leg and not get battered, basically, to keep yourself in the game. So I think to come away with the win and a performance that I think showed that Chelsea do have the ability to to contain and, and beat Leon is it's a massive confidence boost. And then to have the second leg next week at Stamford Bridge, obviously it's not done yet, but it's hard not to feel really positive about it, I think. Um, the goal was absolutely unbelievable in terms of the quality of the finish from Wrighton, but also what Erin Cuthbert did in the build-up. I mean, we know they're two key players for Chelsea, but it really does show how much you miss Cuthbert when she's not there, right? Yeah, I was I was surprised to see her start because obviously we've seen her out. You know, she hasn't played since the Conti Cup final and I thought it was a risk to put her straight back into the game. Um, it was an interesting midfield, but Leon were always going to have a lot of technical players in midfield and I think you saw the benefit of having a player like Aaron Cuthbert there throughout the game, not just for the goal, um, but the nutmeg is... Well, it's, it sums up Aaron Cuthbert, really, isn't it? Because there's the battle to win the ball and then the nutmeg, that like physical quality and that little bit of technicality as well. And yeah, then the finish from Wrighton on her weaker foot, um, just to curl it in past Tiana Endler. It, it was a fantastic goal. And look, I think it just shows there's been a lot of talk recently about, you know, how Chelsea maybe rely too much on Sam Kerr. You know, we saw in the United game where it was just kind of long balls up to her. But I thought that goal was a great example of just how many different players there are in this Chelsea team who have the ability to to take that step up when the moment requires it. And as for Wrighton, obviously she's a, a different kind of player to, to Harder and Kirby, but she's helped make light of their absence to a large extent, right? We, we know the ridiculous amount of assists she's got in the league, but to finish like that as well shows what a significant player she is. Yeah, and I, I think Wrighton's story at Chelsea has been amazing, you know, in terms of where she, after a great first season, she kind of fell out of the team, but then to kind of keep on going and now be one of the most important players within the squad I feel like she's obviously just got the most amazing attitude you can tell everyone loves to be around her she's so memeable um and she's so cute and then she comes and does stuff like that and it's like you know it's a real like kill them with kindness I think uh way of playing football but yeah I I mean I think what's so exciting to see as well is you know that she has that kind of technical quality to score we've seen her do the assists. it's you know lots of like crosses into the box and, and she's great at that as well but you know, to, to take that responsibility, you know, we saw her at in the Reading game as well, right? One of the most senior players in kept in the starting lineup playing kind of as a striker. And then she came away from that with a goal and system won a penalty. So it's been a very good week for Gurretton. Good week for her, good week for Chelsea. But there was um, one damp spot, is that right? Black mark? I don't know. Anyway, Millie Bright got injured is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, presumably that makes her a doubt for, for the game against Man City at the weekend and, and possibly for longer than that too. Yeah, um, Emma Hayes said after the game that she'd get a scan today. So hopefully we might find out more about that. Um, but yeah, definitely put a, a little bit of a black cloud over what was a great evening. To to not have Millie Bright available is, is just something this Chelsea team doesn't know how to deal with. It's quite hard to almost imagine how that looks like. She has been one of the most consistent players that the club, I think, has ever seen, just in terms of sheer number of minutes and, and rarely missing anything with injury. It will be a big loss, but Chelsea do have three elite centre-backs. Magda Eriksson's not had a great season, but 
aside from one terrible pass uh, yesterday, I thought she came on and she did a pretty good job. I thought Khadija Buchanan really rose to the occasion as well. Um, but yeah, City will be a big, big challenge for both of those players. If I mean, it seems hard to imagine, yeah, Bright will be available for this one. And then I guess we just hope that she comes back as soon as possible. And we've mentioned loads of times about what a, an incredibly important and, and difficult run of games Chelsea are in the middle of at the moment. So they go to Man City at the weekend, top of the league with a game in hand. But City have really caught up, haven't they, after their whiffy start to the season. They're only two points behind now. So this is going to be a tricky game, not just because they're a good team, but but they feel that they can still be a part of this title race and they, they'd go above Chelsea if they won. Yeah, I can't get a handle on the City team because I watch them and I think they look good and then they do things like go and lose to Aston Villa in the FA Cup. And so it'll be interesting to see how much that's affected them. Obviously, they will now feel like, I guess, the, you know, the league is the only got to play for. And it's not only thinking about being in the title race, they've got Champions League spots to think about because, you know, there's four very good teams and there's only three spots in the Champions League. I think it'll be a tough game. Chelsea have traditionally had a terrible history at the Academy Stadium. It took us absolutely years to ever win there. And then we kind of got rid of that hoodoo over the past couple of seasons when City have been pretty bad. Um, I've really got no idea how how this one goes. I I feel much better, I think, after the win against Lyon because I just think that would have been such a big mental boost for the team to, you know, go to the home of the European champions to get the win. Obviously, it's not over, but I just feel like the more these games get picked off, the more relaxed everyone can kind of get and hopefully that comes across in the city game. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, right, Jesse, you've already broken the bad news to the listeners that this is your last dance with us. Um, we are tremendously grateful for all the insight you've given us, not just into the women's team, but in to Chelsea in general this season. And very disappointed that you're not going to be able to see out the campaign with us. But tell everybody how they can keep up to date with what you're doing. Uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with me, I'm always talking in a large number of places. So if you want to listen to my voice still, you won't have to look far. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JessieJPH. Um, I've got a substack as well, flyinggeese.substack.com. If you want nice emails about the WSL to fall into your inbox every Monday. Excellent. Um, Jesse. again, thank you. Sorry. Well, I'm sure we'll meet again across a microphone and a Zoom link at some point in the near future. <laughs> thank you very much. The second leg is on Thursday of next week at Stamford Bridge. In between time, there's a crunch game in the WSL away at Manchester City on Sunday. Next today, let's open the mailbag. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All 
All right, we asked for questions and you provided them. Lots of people asking about Graham Potter. I'll kind of mould these all into one. Uh, Helgi says, what's the stance on Potter? Is it likely that Chelsea will have a new manager if April and May end up in disappointment? Louis adds, is Graham Potter genuinely the man to lead Chelsea into a successful future? And Andrew wants to know, who is the Chelsea manager at this time next season? I'd put Ted Lasso. Uh, in the script there but Liam you kind of stole my thunder with that one so I'll come to you first Liam we've been asked this question every week pretty much since Graham Potter was appointed are we still at the same point that we were that that the owners believe that he is the man for the moment and for the future so the first question is predict the future guys um yes is the short answer as I mentioned on the dreaded voice note that I did with Simon a, a couple of weeks ago you know we went into the Leeds and Dortmund games based on what we were hearing behind the scenes with the with the distinct possibility in our minds that if it went wrong it could have been the end for for Potter you know the, the things were that that bad not just in terms of the fan base but it, you know the way the messaging seemed to be changing from the top of the club but I think he he has steadied things with those three wins and obviously the the draw against Everton was disappointing heading into the international break, but we never got any indication that he was going to be sacked off the back of that. So we're still in kind of an uncertain phase, I think, with the Potter project, because it's clear that a lot of fans are very, very sceptical, to say the least, of his suitability to lead it. And I don't think, you know, two, three wins completely eliminate the doubts that are ruminating internally either. So it's going to take more time. It's going to take more performances and, and more victories for Potter to to establish that confidence. And if he doesn't by the end of the season, then you know all options could be on the table. What what I did find quite interesting was that uh, in their published accounts recently filed, Brighton explicitly stated how much Chelsea had paid to appoint Graham Potter and his backroom staff, 21.5 million, which I believe, I mean, it's certainly a a record for Chelsea. I think the previous record was just north of 13 million that Roman Abramovich paid to get Andre Villas-Boas out of his Porto contract. So it's smashed through that, but it also underlines the scale of the investment that Chelsea have made in Potter and and the the scale of the mistake it would be if, you know, if they end up, sacking him it would be a very expensive misstep so we'll have to see how it goes the 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 short answer is that they they are backing him for now but obviously you know results have to keep trending in the right direction Simon the the Champions League has been talked of as as kind of the thing that that could save him you know if Chelsea went and won it against all odds I I, I sort of wonder now if after the draw um, it might have done him a favour in that if Chelsea get knocked out rather than saying oh they got knocked out in the quarterfinal by Benfica are we sure Graham Potter's the right man for the job well they've got Real Madrid and if they get through that they've got by Munich or Man City so if they get knocked out in the quarters or the semis now then there's a legitimate reason to say well that's kind of fair enough. Yeah, it's a bit like the the domestic cup draws being knocked out of Man City both times. Uh, the the luckiest man in the draw that Chelsea haven't had. But yeah, there is an element to that. But I, I don't think that will be the only factor. If discussions are held about his future, they're not they're not going to just sort of look at tough draws. They're going to look at the results he hasn't been getting against teams they should be beating. I, I thought it was quite. 
quite a little insight, and perhaps perhaps um, Todd Bowley will 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 have sort of some second thoughts about how he interacts with fans in future. But I thought it was quite interesting that he was caught on camera leaving the game against Everton on Saturday and, and gave a an expletive assessment of that game. Which, you know, obviously you wouldn't expect an owner to be happy in that situation, but to actually tell a fan what he actually thought about the match sort of says said a lot, I thought, about what he's thinking right now about sort of the results. But um, Borussia Dortmund gave Potter time, but there's only so much time he will get if results continue to, to underwhelm. I, I don't think just because there's been a couple of wins lately that that suddenly all that noise that that Liam was referring to just suddenly goes away it's not it's supposed to be a foundation to build from not you know it's just a start it's not the the be all and end all and and how he ends the season i think is is crucial for him well i think we we had touched this a few weeks back when things were looking so grim for for potter that the we made the point that if he gets a win, it doesn't make everything rosy again. And the fact is, the damage has, has maybe been done to the between him and the and the fan base to a certain extent. It, it may be covered up by the odd flurry of decent results, and and that you know three wins on the bounce going into the Everton game that would suggest that that you know on, on the face of it that things are improving. But but the, the first setback reopens the wounds. That's what happens generally, I think, as if, if there's a level of scepticism between a manager and the fan base, and I, I, I suspect that will be a that will linger on through the rest of the season. I'm just looking at Chelsea's running, and I mean they're, they're Bournemouth, Forest, and Wolves. They've got who was struggling, but the rest of them are, are quite tricky fixtures. It's not easy. I mean, even like Aston Villa at the weekend. Um, I mean, Aston Villa are, are right on Chelsea's shoulder. There, it's it's it's. It's not an easy run-in, so you know expecting results to, to improve dramatically might be a bit, a bit optimistic. Who is the highest-ranked team Chelsea beaten this season in the league? Oh, have beaten this season? Crikey, that is a tricky one. I was going to say coming up left is quiz question. Arsenal, Man City. Yeah, let's let's not do that. Probably uh, is oh. Aston Villa, isn't it? I think I think that is. That is the case, yeah. Yeah, Everton, Leicester, West Ham, Palace, Wolves, Villa, Bournemouth, Palace again, sorry Dom, Leeds and Leicester. Crikey. Not being any of the teams above them in the table. Mm, yeah, not great. Um, so therefore, Sam, I think it's interesting that we've heard from both Ben Chilwell and, and Kai Havertz praising Graham Potter and, and what he's done with the squad so far. How, how much weight do you think that that will carry with the ownership that the players seem to be enjoying working for him? It, I guess it's not massive, but it can't hurt. No. Yeah, the the last thing you said, Matt, it, it can't hurt. Um, I don't know if I said it with you guys a f- few weeks ago, but this is where where we are. If the Chelsea fans expect for them to start taking teams to the sword week after week, that's not going to happen. We've seen the flaws in the the attacking displays, despite Joao Felix, for for example, showing snippets of genius. He's never going to be someone who's going to score freely. You know, even like a you know Lampard, a midfield goal scorer, he's clearly not a centre forward. So they're probably going to limp over the line in in a number of these fixtures against sides in the lower reaches of the the Premier League. And 
I know Simon and Liam discussed the kind of for and against the substitutions the other day. Maybe there will be an argument for him to take the handbrake off against some of the so-called lesser teams and try and win more convincingly. If they can do that and show the grit and the determination against Arsenal, Manchester City, Manchester United, then then of course that will get him through to pre-season, which will be massive. And then the team looks different with Kante, with a fit, Thiago Silva, Reese James in, in better Nick um, and the potential of maybe a new goalkeeper and one or two new signings. So, yeah, I think they need to they need to keep their foot on the gas, certainly in those games that they're expected to win, because if they slip up in a game of similar ilk, a home to Southampton that he did a month ago, then that noise is going to start again and build momentum once more. Uh, here's one from Andy. Simon, I'll put it to you. Andy says, there seems to be a general issue within football and some sections of the media when the new ownership try something, i.e. long contracts or the multi-club model, even though these things have long been part of football. Why do you think this is? Do you, do you think it's it's because Todd Bowley and, and co have ruffled some feathers and people don't like that? Or is it just generally because people are generally against this multi-club model in particular? Um, no, I think... I think uh, Chelsea are just, this is what happens when you're Chelsea Football Club. You know, they're big news. Everything they do is scrutinised more than a lot of other clubs. Obviously, there are clubs that are upset about certain things, like, like the uh, the long contracts. But, you know, I don't think fans should be too sort of paranoid about it. This is the... This is what you get for being a big club. You know, clubs are going to be jealous of what you're doing and and complaining and moaning. I'm sure Chelsea do sort of do similar things over the years to sort of point out things uh, what other clubs are doing. It, they're all together in the Premier League until it's until they're not. Basically, it's it's very much a self-serving um, scenario that they're they're allies when they want to be and and enemies when they want to be as well. Can I just vehemently disagree with Simon on that, please? It's the multi-club model. I mean, fine, long-term contracts, yeah. I mean, Chelsea have seen a loophole and, and, and exploited it brilliantly, but you'd expect that to be closed as soon as as soon as soon a, a governing body decided that its FFP rules were being bypassed in some way. But the multi-club model, go and talk to supporters of clubs that are in a multi-club model and see whether they think that that's a brilliant idea. It's not. It's not. Go and talk to Botafogo fans at the moment about how their club isn't getting any money and yet clubs in France and England potentially are getting money off of the same owner. It's It doesn't work. And Seth, I mean, Oli Kay wrote a very good piece on The Athletic uh, over the weekend criticising Seferin's um, almost shift completely to saying that we, we can accept this multi-club model and we'll try and allow you to compete against each other in Europe. To be honest, if UEFA is suddenly starting to say that, and and that that's the way that should be a massive indicator to most people out there that this is a bad idea, that this multi-club model is not a healthy situation. I mean, I, yeah, but that's that's probably me being a supporter of not a big club. I can see how the big clubs want feeders, want to to farm players out onto the continent so that they can get work permits, etc., whatever to play in this country, but. My instincts are screaming that this is not good for football generally. Um, I'm with Dom. Liam, what about you? No, I, I agree. I think there's a distinction, isn't there, between what's beneficial for Chelsea and what's beneficial for football. And I think when you 
if you talk to Todd Bowley at a business conference or Badade Bali, you're going to get a perspective of what's good for Chelsea. And that's why that's why they've been talking about a multi-club model in that sort of sense. And the problem is, you know, if UEFA just open the way and allow this, just give it the green light, then it will become the thing that every wealthy owner of every big club looks to do. I mean, Chelsea are obviously not inventing this, are they? They Bowley and Clearlake have have got this idea and, and incorporated it into their business plan because they've seen it work with Red Bull, City Football Group, and on a smaller scale, well, even with, you know, Brighton. Chelsea have obviously taken a lot of influence from Brighton in different ways. So they the idea is we can do this with more money behind it and therefore the results will, will be bigger. Uh, I don't I, I don't think it's good for football, but there are a lot of things happening in football right now that are not good for football and the regulatory bodies don't seem to be throwing up any roadblocks to them. Yeah, it's very strange. And, you know, look at City and City Group. It's not like that's had a, a massive tangible benefit for Manchester City's first team. But anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Sam, I'll ask you something a bit simpler. It comes from Max. How many signings short are Chelsea of challenging for the league? And which positions are most important to sign in the summer? If you can't come to some sort of consensus with everybody else in the footballing world about the two positions specifically that Chelsea need to strengthen in the summer, I'll be very surprised. Challenge for the league, was it, rather than just the top four? Um, oh, blimey. <laughs> well, goalkeeper, yeah. definitely. I think I was quite convincing with my arguments last time me and Jesse dis- discussed that particular position. So, absolutely. I think we've got one goalkeeper who's very good with his feet and not particularly good at saving shots right now. And, and Mendy obviously had a, a really good spell. Um, but quite calamitous with the ball at his feet and gave away quite a few sloppy goals. So I think they need to upgrade there if they've got serious hopes of of challenging for the top four, first and foremost. Striker, yeah, I alluded to it in my, my first answer a few moments ago. This isn't going to turn around with the players that Graham Potter's got to select from at the moment. They're not going to be putting teams to bed 3-4-0 because they haven't got you know enough options in attack. Royo, I've forgotten how to say his name. He's been out for so long. We'll probably come <laughs> back into the mix next season, but he's not going to be, you know, first choice in 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 Chelsea's probably challenge next year. So, yeah, definitely to try and go and get someone maybe to compliment and Kunku as well, who I believe is is probably someone who's going to play wide and off the front and probably be another one to add to the collection of that of that mould. So, yeah, there's there's two for you, and you know, I think there's. There's three or four, five players that are probably going to be on the way out. And I think this squad at the moment, if you look at the average age taken out, Kovacic, Koulibaly, I think Kepper as well the other day, it was around 24, 25, correct me if I'm wrong. So this is a really young side. If they're going to move some players out in the summer to get another ready-made talismanic player through the spine of the team to complement what they've, they've done with Fernandez, then go and do it. So... Yeah, maybe another midfield player that gives you three right down the spine to go and try and get you into those those Champions League places first and foremost. I think the league is probably going to be have to be left for another season or so because you know I think people get tired of hearing the comparisons to other clubs, but I think we are in a unique space right now in comparison to Manchester United when Ferguson left and 
Wenger when he left Arsenal and maybe the, the City story when they first got taken over. This is unprecedented times and I think that it's going to take a little while if they're going to stick with Graham Potter to be able to challenge and I don't necessarily see it happening next season but I think with those players I just mentioned, the potential players I just mentioned, the return of Kante, Silva, you know, won't be too far off. All right, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, here's a quick one from Tom for you, Simon. Does anyone know who scored the fourth goal in the 4-0 win over Middlesbrough <laughs> at Stamford Bridge in 1993? Pod favourite Mal Donaghy got the first. It took 52 minutes for Mal Donaghy to open the scoring, making the most of an absent defence. <laughs> I'm going Darren Barnard again, are we? Yeah, it was Darren Barnard. I watched the um, I watched the highlights of this, and the commentator calls him Darren Bernard. And lack of defending at the far post is exposed yet again as Bernard sews it up for Chelsea, which is really yeah. disrespectful to to one of the cornerstones of, of straight out. How many Anthony goals Barnard did he score playing? for Chelsea? <laughs> I don't know, but we've listed them all. That's for sure. <laughs> so, sorry, can I just clarify? Are you saying that Mal Donaghy and Darren Barnard scored in the same game? <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? And it's taken this long to to bring that up. I mean, what was that? Ninety times. Ninety three was it? The, the middle, it Middlesbrough was, went yeah. down that season, didn't they? Which not a great surprise. How is this never a quiz question? Like, <laughs> a genuine one. <laughs> Maybe this is why uh, we're getting cut. Who knows? Uh, Jonathan asked the hard hitting stuff. Wants to know who plays where in an SOC five a side team. We need a keeper, defenders, attackers, and two bench warmers um now no disrespect Don, but i've gone for me and you as impact subs i've got <laughs> i've got simon in goal i've got jesse at the back i've got liam stitching it together in midfield and then the classic little and large combo up front of sam and lucy um lucy what did you say your your achievement was goal of the season for i am trying to find photographic slash video evidence of this but i did win goal of the season two years in a row for two absolute screamers off my left foot from the middle of the park for bishop stortford ladies uh about 14 years ago so i have real pedigree is basically what i'm saying does that that sound like the kind of strike part you want simon oh simon this has collapsed It was all too much. <laughs> he's fumbled his microphone. We're, we're in good stead here, chaps. Oh, yeah, you're right. supposed to be the goalie. Goodness me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, make... just, I've just dropped myself. <laughs> you're never going to make a manager, Matt, if you're playing two up front in a five-a-side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to take a withdrawn role. Lucy can happily uh, play the lone forer up front. I regaled this anecdote earlier on this season and on the WhatsApp group, but I did play in midfield once for Jim McGilton and I didn't know where I was, honestly. <laughs> it was the most calamitous 45 minutes of any football. I tried to run with it basically every time I got the ball. So much amusement. It never happened again. I'll just flag up that I am a 100% committed luxury player. So attacking midfield really is my wheelhouse. Okay. Well, you know, if that ever comes off, uh, Jonathan, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you exactly how the formation went down and, and how much we were beaten by. Um, finally, Malachi asks, do your bosses not follow Chelsea enough to realise that a week in Chelsea is a year in most clubs? Uh, don't know, Malachi. That's a good question. Speaking of which, let's mega quiz. All right, so I've got two questions each for you, chaps, uh, on what Lucy and I decided were your specialist subjects. So just two questions <laughs> to go through. 
Liam, you're up first. That's a delightful giggle from Lucy. Uh, Liam, you're up first. Your specialist subject, obviously, is Kai Havertz. Against whom <laughs> did Kai Havertz get his first goals for Chelsea? Cup, hat-trick, Barnsley. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Um, always going to get that right, weren't you? Very good. Uh, Dom, your subject is Chelsea and Crystal Palace. So, four days before Conor Gallagher scored his first Chelsea goal against Palace, he netted for the England under-21s against Germany at which championship stadium? <laughs> but is that, how is that on Crystal Palace and Chelsea? Because uh, on... he played for both. It was days before he scored against one. And, and it's championship. have been fanboying yeah, for Conor Gallagher uh, oh. for a long time. So, um. Championship Stadium, uh, Reading. Uh, no, would anyone like to steal it? I'm Pride not going to try out of respect Pride. to Dom. Pride Park is no. Uh, okay. Pride Park's not even in the championship. Oh, well Barnsley. done, Dom. Bonus point. Uh, Barnsley's <laughs> incorrect. Good shout. Uh, it was Bramall Lane. Um, never mind. Simon, your category is Chelsea things that make us smile. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you your right ever Simon. sunny disposition. Uh, here's yeah. your first question on that. Who was Chelsea's top scorer in the successful Champions League campaign of 2020 21? 2021. Giroud. Giroud is absolutely oh. correct. Um, I wonder what position Chelsea would be in the table this season if he was still around. Very good. Well uh, he's He got. Uh, oh, I thought I'd written it down, but I didn't. Yeah, he got those four, four against Sevilla, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that, yeah, that helped. And a couple more after that as well. Uh, Sam, your specialist subject is the youth team. Your first question thereon. What phenomenal feat did both Dominic Solanke and Tammy Abraham both achieve for the various Chelsea Academy sides in the 2014-15 season? Tough question to some, but you and I commentated on about half of the games that they played in, so... They both did it in the same season. Mm. 14 15. Yeah. So that's like 18s, 19s, yeah. 21s, or everything they could play. Uh, they scored over 30 goals? Uh, I'll give you that. They actually scored over 40 goals. They scored 41. I was going to jump in then. Well, I mean, he's right, isn't he, technically? So. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, you could say over 10. <laughs> yeah. They got 41 each. That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Tammy was mainly playing for the 18s, but still very impressive. Uh, Liam, here's your second question. Um, you're going to go, how am I supposed to know that? But I mean, you, you're a super fan and you have an interest in the subject of this question. Name at least two of Kai Havertz's three pet dogs. <laughs> I don't know the names. I can't even guess. <laughs> got to be a Dave um, in there. I, 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 I can't Timo's, guess without... Timo's got to be in there. Timo. <laughs> oh. Um, I feel like I would I, I would guess by going into uh, like crude German stereotypes and that's not that's not a direction we want to go in. So I'll, I'll just pass. <laughs> would anybody like to have a guess at the name of any of Guy Havertz's pet dogs? Thomas. Thomas is not correct. Potter. Darren and Barnard. 
Yeah. I'd have called one Dragao, personally, if I was him. Um, but no, they are Edison. Pooch, Baloo, and Summer. So, yeah, you're either going to know those yeah, yeah. or not. I mean, Pooch, I suppose you could have a stab at. But, um, so it's a no on that. So you've got one from two, Liam. I don't have any tiebreakers, uh, Lucy, <laughs> by the way. Um, Dom, here's your second question. Which former Chelsea Academy player is currently enjoying a loan at a championship club from Crystal Palace? So he's now a Palace player, but he's out on loan. He did play in the Chelsea Academy for a number of years. In the championship? Yes. Assuming Sam's poised to steal this one. In the championship? I can't think I've got one from League One who's an ex-Chelsea player, but um, Champo. Didn't know he had any players on loan in the Championship. This is bad news. He's uh, played seven times in it, three starts, four off the bench. Most recently completed the 90 in the weekend's draw at Reading. Don't think... Oh, he has played for, for Palace too. Uh, I... Actually, made his debut for Palace on the opening night as a late sub against Arsenal. He played this season for Palace? Mm, and he played in the League Cup against Newcastle and Oxford as well. And Everton in the Premier League game oh, the last 15. Oh, God, was he at... I didn't, God, know, he was, I didn't, I didn't know he was at Chelsea. Malcolm <laughs> Aboe is the answer, but I didn't know yeah. he was at... I didn't know he was a Chelsea, ex-Chelsea. Wow. Yeah, he's uh, knocked about a bit. Uh, Palace picked him up from Derby in the summer. All right, so you're off the board. So off the board or even on the board. So it's one 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 at the moment. Uh, who is next? It is Simon. Chelsea things that make us smile. In what minute did Didier Drogba equalise against Bayern Munich in the 2012 Champions League final? The beauty of this, as I was writing the uh, the front page of the Sunday Independent. Uh, that it was Chelsea heartbreak. <laughs> and it was the one Miller. time you were pleased that there was a late goal when you were doing a match report. Well, I actually missed it. It's it's one of the uh, it's one of the things I, I bore people with. I just heard a cheer to my left. It's the Chelsea fans because the Sunday Independent was uh, insisted that the copy had to be in at the final whistle. So I was pouring uh, all the emotion into this. He can't remember it. Never mind all this. He can't remember what minute it was. Well, I, it's obviously it, it's it's eighty something. Feels like rather than giving the answer, Simon's instead embarked on like a retrospective voice note. Uh, it's an anecdote. <laughs> Four eighty is going to be very it. annoyed. There we go. Eighty-eight. Oh, absolutely. Spot on. Two for two. Uh, and to finish my anecdote, so... <laughs> <laughs> Drop your mic. Drop your mic. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, go on to the next question before I go off on another tangent. Okay, I will. Uh, oh, <laughs> Lucy's halfway through writing the tie break, which will only be necessary if you get this. Come on, Sam. Come on, Sam. No Chelsea won their last Youth Cup in 2018, thrashing Arsenal 7-1 over two legs to claim the trophy for the fifth successive season. The second leg saw the Blues win 4-0 at the Emirates. There were three goal scorers that night. All have since played for the Chelsea first team. OK, 
Can you name them? So one player scored two goals in the game and then two others who have since played for the Chelsea first team also found the net. Liam's nodding his head as if to let me know that he knows. Give me the year again, mate. 2018. Oh, I haven't got a clue. I can't even... I remember the game vaguely. Um, 2018. Got to get all three. Or Simon wins. Yeah, I'm not going to get all three. 2018. Reese James? No, he played, but he didn't score. Okay. Um, Gallagher? No, I'll give you a clue. None of them are in in the first team this season. Two of them are on loan. One of them no longer plays for Chelsea. Tammy. No, no. idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, Liam? Well, I know for a fact Billy Gilmore scored in that game. That is correct. Uh, Don't remember so that. I, I, I was there. Um, Hudson-Odoi, I think, as well. Got a brace. I tell you what, if you get the um, next one, Liam, we're going to a tie break. The third one I've been struggling with. Yeah, the third one is a, is the trickiest by a distance. He's Lampty. kind of... Oh, yeah. Lampty's not correct, but you're now out of it, so no more guesses, please. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go drop, to the tie break. Drop your mic, Sam. Uh, <laughs> oh. He's out on loan somewhere, but he doesn't seem to play very much this season. Angerin. Tino Angerin is oh, correct. Well done. Amazing. That is really impressive. Um, remember when we used to talk about Tino Angerin every week, like he was the answer, and, and now he's not getting in the Huddersfield team, poor lad. All right, that takes us to the tie break. And stick around, listener, because after this, we're going to do Sam's answers to the early season questions that we set. But before that, and this is the oh, best no. tiebreaker that Lucy has ever come up with, ever. It's between Simon and Liam. How many Instagram accounts affiliated with someone called Darren Barnard are there? <laughs> so a guess from each, please. Presumably there's more than one Darren Barnard, but presumably there's a lot of people who just want to pretend to be our Darren Barnard. It would be interesting to track the growth in Darren Barnard accounts since this podcast <laughs> came into existence. Are we just guessing to the nearest Barnard? Is that what this is? To the nearest Barnard, yeah, closest wins. No doing that, whoever guesses first, the next person goes one above or below. That's not cool. Say it simultaneously. 20. Liam? Oh, I've missed my window. Um, I'm going to say 10. Crikey. Uh, Simon, you've, you've won it, so congratulations. But 52 is the answer. It feels like a lot to me. What a disrespect we've just shown Darren Barnard. <laughs> to the great man. The... There's only one Darren Barnard, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, Simon, well done. That might be the last quiz we do. So so how do you feel to go out as the king? <laughs> it, it's It's made me smile. <laughs> Add that to the list. It's quite a remarkable way to go out, really, because, I mean, I don't have the stats to hand, but I would be amazed if Simon won the majority of the quizzes that he was on over the period that we've done them. Jesse, it's, it's, all, it's all about, it's like Chelsea in the Champions League. It's all yeah, that exactly. <laughs> yeah. Last man standing. Yeah. Be, be mid-table and then, <laughs> then then win the knockout game and all is well. Keep, keep your job for another year, hopefully. And to, to, to do it with something Darren Barnard adjacent feels particularly sweet and I'm sure everybody would have enjoyed that. 
Simon Chaos and Trophies Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, we are nearly wrapped up, but Lucy sent me this this morning, Sam. You, you, you'll like this. This was the handwritten note that you gave her. Um, we'll do this at the end of the season, see how everybody else got on, but with your Chelsea predictions. Top scorer for the men, you've gone Havertz, and he is the top scorer at the moment, so I'll give you some credit for that. Top scorer for the women, Sam Kerr. Again, well done. Hmm. Chelsea top scorer at the World Cup, Romelu Lukaku. Oh. Uh, he probably had the he most had enough shot. chances in one yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. and then three it says, open goals in the last game. Brackets, if not allowed, Werner, which is underlined. He was obviously injured, so he didn't play. And your third choice is Raheem Sterling. Uh, most appearances for Chelsea this season, you've gone Kaladu Koulibaly. That's... Um, <laughs> Interesting one in retrospect (laughs) and not going to have proven correct. Uh, FA Cup, you went for quarter final. No. League Cup, winners. Um, That would have been, I mean, nobody could have foreseen that Chelsea, who always get drawn at home to lower league opposition in every domestic cup competition, would get Man City away in the first round. Hang on a minute. Koulibaly got JT's number. There's some some method to the madness there. There, Yeah, there was method. He came with big big fanfare. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Champions League, you've gone quarter final. So let's hope that you're wrong on that one, but it's a good guess. Uh, and as it stands, you're right. Premier League, fourth, would have been nice. Um, never mind. WSL, first, looking good for that. Women's Champions League, you've gone semi finals. Well, they're in a good position to get to that. And in terms of the former Chelsea managers and where they'll finish in the league, <laughs> this must not have been former because Thomas Tuchel was the manager when we said this. And you've got him fourth, Conte third. I mean, I guess Spurs might finish third. Whether Antonio Conte is going to be there is another question. Mourinho fifth and Ancelotti first. I'm just going to have a look at the Serie A table to see how close you are with that one. And Roma are fifth. So I'll give you full marks for that. That's um, Actually, I think that's a pretty pretty decent effort overall. Uh, CFC prediction, Reese James to score 10 goals and get 10 assists. I mean, injuries have two of there. each, hasn't he? Yeah, I think maybe yeah. if you had um if you hadn't had injuries you might have been That's in. the one that's been haunting me throughout the season. I didn't remember the Koulibaly gaff. <laughs> but um yeah. Oh, well, um, that's how you're going out, Sam. So I want to say thank you on behalf of everybody for your tremendous contributions in the time that you have been with us. You've added a, a wealth of knowledge and expertise to the pod and we're really going to miss it for the rest of the season. Tell people what else you're going to be up to, how they can stay abreast of everything in the world of parking. Is the floor mine, yeah? Yep. <laughs> no, no, it's been it's been a brilliant couple of years. Um, obviously, I knew what a magnificent commentator you were, Matt, but to see you develop into a top podcast host has been magnificent. Obviously, I work with Lucy a lot, which is uh, always a pleasure. She's the best producer in the business. And the chaps have been amazing. Um, I think that everyone knows I was a bit of a Dom Fifield fanboy, you know, when I was keeping the Graham Lassone vibe alive with my copy of The Guardian throughout my playing days. But um, no, I got so much admiration. I think the Chelsea supporters are very lucky, actually, to have uh, all five of you and Jesse, who's come on board and has added incredible insight, uh, tactical knowledge to not only the men's uh, stuff, but the, the women's game as well. So brilliant couple of years. Um, I'll see you all at the bridge. I'll still be working, obviously, for Chelsea TV, uh, ITV highlights Saturday night. Um, what else? Our little podcast, Matt, What the EFL growing in numbers by the day so get on that if you follow a club outside the top flight and um yeah just generally ticking over with all the 
the co-commentaries I do across various levels. So see you all soon at the buffet. Good lad. <laughs> I promise uh, not to break an existing agreement with you midway through the season on what the EFL at least. It's not the first time I've been released by a big club. <laughs> um, <that. laughs> by Chelsea even. I've yeah. got the scars, Ouch. mate. <laughs> Listen, you can go and have a little cry uh, once we hang up this Zoom at the end of it. But thank you to Sam. Thank you to Jesse. Thanks to everybody who stuck with us through two shows a week. We are going to have a little reassess about when we'll drop the pods from now on. It'll be based around when Chelsea are playing. Uh, basically, that seems to make the most sense to us. Um, so, yeah, keep across your feed. There will be one show dropping a week between now and the end of the season. So if you would join us for those, we would greatly appreciate it. For now, though, from Simon, Liam, Dom, Sam, Jesse and Lucy and me, thanks for your company today and we'll catch up with you again soon. The Athletic.